why would a blind spot exist in the first place? It's like, well, in order for a dominant instinct to exist, you have to have a blind spot. That's the only way right, you'd exactly. be able to to uh, be so obsessed with your first instinct. I'm compensating, and I don't even know I'm compensating. Oh. So it's like using a muscle that I've literally never used, but like to me, I'm like, why use it? You can really be fucked up in self-present and self-present dominant. Dominant instinct, you're going to be noticing more often that you're not good at it because yes. you're looking at it all the time. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, the actual self-pres, four five wing, four five eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, nine with one, nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self-pres, social three wing four with a three six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Welcome back to Big Hormone Enneagram. Uh, we are going into uh, an instinct topic today. But before we do, I'm going to do some plugs. First, buy my book, please. Uh, we can buy it on bookshop.org, amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles. Uh, you've been listening to our stuff, all this free, juicy content. Uh, you know, please uh, contribute something to something, some of the shit we're doing. Uh, David has his Trifix guidebook on um, anygrammar.com and anyasite.com. His visual guide on Trifix and stems. Very good. Uh, we have our uh, 100th episode coming up. And so we want your um, sweet nothings and your criticisms, complaints, how this podcast may have affected you, how what you've gotten out of it, what you don't like, uh, your searing hatred, salacious whatevers, all that. And then uh, we are doing... Um, the, the number, well... Oh yeah, the love line number, Emeka's got it. The number is 323-696-0647. And uh, finally, uh, anygrammer.com's Dark Arts Academy that Emeka, Joseph, and David are doing together is fucking hilarious, and you learn a lot. It's very funny, it's very interesting, and you get to see their handsome faces as they go through video. Uh, so that's $19 a month on anygrammer.com. Hey, what uh, what spell are they teaching this week? Who who are we doing this week? I no think. no. <laughs> We're doing the oh. Slytherin Hufflepuff Guardia Della Rosa. <laughs> You're so not even in Harry Potter that that went right oh over gosh. your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely lost. I just thought it was a cool name. Okay. <laughs> womp, womp. So one more announcement that we have. Those of you with sharp ears can probably notice that. Myself and John sound a little bit clearer and a little bit better today. That is because we are finally taking our podcast a little bit more seriously <laughs> and, in, and investing in, in better sound equipment. So, you know, I'm announcing that we are trying to raise money for all this equipment. What we are trying to do is um, get all of us better microphones. Uh, right now, we're using a microphone that's in the 70 to $80 range. We want to get an audio interface so that we can eventually record a live podcast, like a video podcast with all of our microphones hooked up when, whenever we do meet up. And 
So yeah, just uh, we're trying to raise 500 bucks for all of this audio equipment. If you appreciate this podcast and um, you're sick and tired of David's mouth noises, <laughs> and you don't like tell to- them that though, they won't give us any money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, donate some money at. Um, we have a PayPal account that's hooked up to bhepodcast at gmail dot com. If you prefer Venmo, you can send some cash to this my Venmo account. Let me look it up because I don't. Which have is it not up. sketchy at all. I think Anybody? I'm comfortable with just going to yours as long as people write the little fucking note. Yeah. Okay. So if you prefer Venmo, you can send whatever you wish to donate to the Venmo account E M E K V. Just add a note that this is for the uh, BHE podcast, and um, all of that money will go towards getting us better sound equipment. So, and anybody who sends over $200 gets fee picks from who knows. <laughs> we should have prizes. Yes. If you, <laughs> if you donate 50 bucks, we're going to do something. I, actually, yeah, we should, we should come up with totally. prizes. Yeah. Or 50, 100. I'm not f- saying we have good feet. I'm just saying you will get fee picks. Feet boys and feet <laughs> girls out there. Consensual or not. <laughs> Yeah, we'll come up with some prizes uh, next time we announce this. But you yes, might just if, send your feet because. Yeah, you know, just because, honestly. Or a continuous loop of my mouth noises. Oh, God. <laughs> We're just going to pipe it into their house and never stop. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Christmas season's coming up. You're thinking about getting presents for your loved ones. Donate to support this podcast that you love so much. So, Oh, yeah. Buy, buy my book for your your loved ones for Christmas that you were like, can't think of what to buy them. And that you've been talking about this stupid Enneagram thing forever. And you're trying to get them into it. You use my book as a Christmas gift. If, if you can't think of anything. Yeah. Yep. It's a good Christmas gift. So yeah, your platonic life partners with benefits uh, are talking today about uh, a phenomenon that comes up regularly when we do coaching of various kinds and working with people, which is how can I be, a social type or how can I be a sexual type or how can I be a self-preservation type when I'm so bad at that instinct? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really, really common uh, issue. And in some ways it can make, um, you know, from a description point of view and trying to understand yourself based on words and concepts, it can be hard to discriminate what makes a sexual dominant versus a sexual blind or a social dominant versus a social blind. And what are you reacting to and what are you ignoring? And what's the nature of the blind spot? So we're getting into that today. What you were saying on a blind spot is something that comes up a lot. Not just people saying, how can I be dominant in this instinct? I suck at this instinct. But how can I be blind in this instinct? Uh, I think I'm doing, I'm, yeah, I'm doing all of these pretty well. So that seems to be a, a common thing that comes up. Yeah, I mean, on the onset, uh, in terms of blind spot, like we are literally blind to what the instinct means and represents. So I am social blind and for a long time I'd be like, yeah, I know how to make friends and like, I just don't like that many people, but you know, a lot of social types don't like many people. So, you know, I'm kind of just doing social, you know, like, and then you just find new layers of what it means to omit a certain instinctual intelligence in your life and how much that really costs you. And I think it's something that you never really learn the full lesson of, but, um, to to sort of 
recognize that the definitions and ideas that you're operating from to understand what a particular instinct is is incomplete like it's a it's something very deep and experiential and uh it whatever our blind spot is is that we just don't have experience with it in a in a kind of a lived way i think part of uh something i don't see discussed much is you know where did the concept of the blind spot originate like why mm. isn't it the case that some people could be balanced on maybe their last two like why is it set up that way that there is a blind spot to begin with yeah i actually don't know uh the origin i can't remember uh... or the even idea of a stacking like where did that origin originate uh, I think that originated with Achazo. Um, he definitely was the one who like included the instincts uh, with the Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said in, I think it was like the intro to Facets of Unity um, by Almas, that, that he was uh, drawing on Sufi psychology, which is pretty vague because there's a lot that can constitute as Sufi psychology. There's not one psychology, there's a lot of different schools and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I can't remember uh, where the concept of the blind spot really originated, and I think a lot of different people uh, probably lay claim to that idea, but I'm not sure where it started. From my perspective, conceptually, looking at not just the Enneagram, but the idea of personality itself is that you're overbalanced in order to, like, you know, the, the idea of a fixation. So if you're fixated at point three, for example, that fixation means that you're not paying attention to something else, which creates kind of like a, there's a shadow mm-hmm. um, that's going on. So the idea of a blind spot isn't really that far-fetched when we're talking about personality because at the core of studying personality is seeing that there's something I'm not paying attention to. Like my lens on the world is, is just one aspect of all of reality. So um, the idea of an instinctual blind spot shouldn't be really far-fetched for people because in order to have a dominant instinct, that means that you're, you're really not paying attention to one aspect or one of the instincts. Do you think it's possible to not have a blind spot after, like, years of work? That's a good question. I don't think so because... So the reason that instinct would get distorted at all there would be any imbalance to make stacking at all. It's because instinct is the basis of ego. Instinct is the basis of personality. So when there's identification distortion, uh, it, you know, I see it as a result of loss of a contact with essence or, you know, and put it another way, like a loss of the true function of the heart and the mind. And so it's sort of this, like a kind of collapse into putting too much in the instincts, like putting too much energy into what the instincts mean and represent. And so that in itself is a huge imbalance that, that it's kind of like imbalances the instincts. Um, and that, you know, our fixation, as Emika was speaking to, our fixation on one instinct over the other two is kind of like my, you know, my sense of survival, my sense of psychological survival, physical survival, but also my sense of, how I'm going to get um, reconnected to love and whatever I associate with God or spirituality is like, it's going to come through the dominant instinct. And so um, as Emika is speaking to, it's like all your, your eggs are going into one basket and it just, it seems pretty natural that 
something would seem to be competitive or an obs excuse me an obstacle to giving all the attention or focus on the dominant instinct and it seems like uh in everybody when you're putting all your eggs in that basket that something's got to go something's got to give and something seems somehow disruptive to it and i think i our baba chakra stacking episodes like we don't play it out explicitly but i think you can get the feel from those episodes and those qualities that show up in each stacking that it's not just uh, arbitrary or it's not just um, inconsequential. Like there's a lot, like a lot riding on what we omit, uh, what we leave out in the blind spot, which instinct becomes our blind spot. It has a lot to do with the, um, what I think is probably like a very early life impression of how our dominant instinct was met. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some, I don't know who had said this, but my understanding of instincts, it seemed help me understand the instincts in that in order for you to be so focused on your dominant instinct, that your blind spot is a threat to that. And right. so in order to focus, for example, to focus on to social feels like a threat to my sexual, because right. mm-hmm. I'm so invested in, in sexual that the blind spot is something you push away from in order to continue your identification with Mm -hmm. Um, your first instinct so just kind of like examining like why would a blind spot exist in the first place it's like well in order for a dominant instinct to exist you have to have a blind spot that's the only way you'd be able to to uh, be so obsessed with your first instinct right and and i think it's just the case that the the middle instinct is just not seen as novel, and therefore can get pulled into supplementing the energy going into the dominant, but it's not seen as a threat. Like it's not seen as the distraction. And so, uh, you know, like just speaking for my own stacking, like sex, social, integrating social and accessing social feels like it's dispersing all that concentrated sexual energy that I feel like as a sexual self prize, I need to get my dominant instinct, uh, instinctual needs met. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something similar and true with everybody, but uh, you know, when it comes to like what I see often, I don't know if you, what you guys think, but most often I see people overestimating their uh, connection with the sexual instinct when they're when they're sexually blind. Is that y'all's experience? Yeah, yeah. myself included. Yeah. So, uh, Nancy, I'm curious, uh, like, what your experience with that is. Yeah. Well, I um, view sexual as kind of a, a form of manipulation, like not ne- necessarily negative. It's just kind of a form of manipulating people's experience. Like, I don't I'm not saying that's a correct way of viewing sure. it. That's just sort of like my go to. Um, and as a three, that's what I do best. So I think for a long time I viewed myself as sexual because I was like, well, I can get what I want out of people. I can manipulate people. I can make them think that, like, you know, I am the best thing ever. Yeah, I can seduce. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can can hook them, right? Which sounds similar to sexual, but the whole, but the reasoning behind it is not at all Mm -hmm. sexual. So I think uh, understanding the reasoning behind it is the most important part. Well, I think, yeah, I think what you're saying. For me, anyway. Too, is it like there, there's there's a sort of a out of touchness with the reasoning behind sexual apart from that sort of function or utility, which means that I'm uh, unaware of a whole range of what what sexual is on its own. Mm. 
Uh, yes. Like, you know, one of the things that we've spoken to with people who are sexual blind is that they can um, really resist or be out of touch with like their bodies, not just being horny, but like, which usually sexual blind people are, are very aware of their horny levels, but <laughs> their visceral sense of being turned on or, or even taken by sexual energy through, with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so it'll kind of be like, they'll think like they're having, and this is true with all the blind spots, but there's a, there's a way that you can imagine you're having like fulfilling or peak experiences with the blind spot. And then you find out that what you thought it was, was, was not happening at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So with the sexual blind spot, it's like, it's hard to imagine what the feeling of being taken and being like truly, uh, you could say seduced or penetrated. Uh, yeah. Penetrated like in a way that is actually has the kind of energetic wildness and unpredictability uh, of uh, the sexual drive, like what that has when it's not just being kind of compartmentalized and utilized for the, or some other end. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting doing these dark arts videos because uh, our typing at typing methods or uh, at any grammar, we use collages to get at a way that um, instincts are showing up with psychological boundaries and sensation. But it's been interesting to watch people's videos you know, as we comment on people's types to find what sexual is doing moment to moment. And it's just been giving me some new insights on this is what sexual is doing on a moment to moment basis. If you don't have any sort of evidence to look at in terms of how this is showing up in someone's life, if I were to watch an interview, could I find uh, sexual in this person? And one of the interesting things that we've noticed about sexual types or people who have sexual in their stacking is this the sense of energetically penetrating and being penetrated where there is this chaotic element of they're playing that attraction chemistry game of you say something, you give me something and I take it and it does something to me and I spit back something else that could provoke you. So it's, it's not social. It's not self-pressed. There's an energetic sort of um, co-creating thing about chemistry of Mm. allowing the moment or whatever it is that person um, that you're hooked up to, to penetrate you and to take it. And there's like a alchemical thing that happens where you spit something out that can also generate electricity. And I want to find better words to describe uh, what's happening, but it's interesting to watch that in types that you wouldn't expect that from like six or one or two that are pretty stiff, but they're doing sexual moment to moment. Is it, it's kind of like energetic passing back and forth, but it's not, but how is it? And, 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 and is that what you're saying? It, it's One thing. not like social, for example, like, you know, right, what Joseph and Alexandro, what they're doing is like a ping back and forth where I'm relating to you. Sexual is much more about the penetration of, you know, you give me an apple, I give you an orange. Here's one way to say, here's one way I'd say it is it's, it's uh, flipping electrical polarities. Yes. It's back and mm. forth and it's where you're switching roles. You know what I mean? If you wanted to mm. do po- positive, negative or masculine, uh, feminine or whatever, it's where, you know, each person is flipping roles and keeps switching like that. And, and you're making a new thing sort of, or a new hybrid. That's some kind of combination of masculine, feminine sort of in each moment or each volley or something. That's a good word for it. Like there's a pol- energetic um, uh, attraction polarity that's that's being played on 
where uh, it can seem chaotic, but just watching these videos and seeing like, you know, what is, if this person doing self-pres in this moment, like let's say the interviewer is doing self-pres and they're asking you details about where did you go? What did you eat? Who did you do it with? And then this sexual type is just sort of like trying to inject uh, like electricity by flipping something into something unexpected or throwing some kind of a sexual innuendo in there. But there's this kind of like, I want to flip that, you know, polarity switch on some kind of charge, sexual charge. One thing that's uh, an interesting example is the late night host, uh, Craig Ferguson. He's like the only one of all of those type six male hosts that has sexual, he's a social sexual. And there's whole, uh, there's a, a series of clips of him flirting with women and even being somewhat sexual in his banter with men. And it's constantly flipping polarities and like doing radically unexpected twists that then set the other person off. And then they have to come back with something that's completely new and different. Interesting. So, uh, do you, do you see that with Emma and I, um, you guys are more, um, targeted you know what i mean without so without social but i mean there's a there's a quality of a a threatening sort of energy to you you know relative to you guys that's um that feels like it could be chaos that would have that kind of polarity that and you know the thing about the polarity thing is it's like an absolute switch in an instant kind of thing right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so, yeah, there's that feeling with you guys of that that's that that there's that electricity in the air in your mm-hmm. presence, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say that the vibe of the podcast, um because there's a fair amount of sexual here, is part of what people are drawn in by is that it does feel like we can go anywhere. I've gotten some feedback from people who thought that uh this pod felt like a bunch of jazz musicians who were just kind of mm. like didn't know mm. where you were didn't know where we're mm-hmm. going to end up. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of how we do the pod. We don't know where we're going to end up, but somehow we sort of, you know, do this thing where we take something and we transform it and, and it ends up somewhere, but it's, there's a chemistry thing going on too. That that's kind mm-hmm. of what's going on. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, like I still like can't quite grasp that, but like there's something there that makes a lot of sense. You know, like if you listen to a podcast, it's like very high social. There's this, uh, like scoping out the territory, like scoping out my personhood and then scoping out who you are. And this like, uh, it's something that feels like an unfolding, like, and it has a consistent direction. Whereas like, yeah, I think that we kind of go all over the place. It's not so, that we just go all over the place. Well, yeah, not all over it, the place, but there's like, a, it feels a like penetrating. It feels yeah. like you're going to give me something. Oh, it's going to hit me. And it's, it's going to, it's going to mm-hmm. penetrate to something else. And, oh, that's going to penetrate me. You know? So there's a way that we're sort of, penetrating deeper to something beyond this layer and then beyond that layer. And so it might feel chaotic to some people, but it, it does feel like we're going somewhere, at least to me. It's more tunneling. Yes. And so Nancy, back to your, like what has helped you see that maybe you weren't as skillful at sexual as you thought? How would you uh, even like unpack that for somebody who, th- who was maybe low sexual and thought they were sexual dominant or, or sexual middle? So I think uh, like a couple of the, moments where I've been that have it's become obvious that I'm lacking sexual is first of all like Emika asking me 
to make a collage of hot people. Not just hot people. people or people are, I think is, are hot. That you're attracted to. Yeah. And I think um, I've had a couple of people say to me that they're like, well, I'm sexual last and I know what I think is hot. I think the difference between like knowing what you think is hot, right, and it being a specific targeted sexual instinct. Like personally turned on or something? You're right. Yeah. Is is I feel like the just consistent focus that like you guys have towards hooks. Like it's not so much that I don't know what's hot, it's that I don't even know where to look for it. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't even know like I was like Google pictures of hot people. Like I don't even know how to look for that <laughs> because it's just so not my focus. I so just go to, I just go to my Pinterest board that I've collected over it, the last ten years. Exactly, <laughs> you've collected it. Like you have created this, like what you find as a hook. And I'm over here, like, well, there was a girl in the park a couple weeks ago who was kind of hot, but it's kind of hard to put that into words because it's just a, a, a lack of focus. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not like you, you don't have this capability. It's just that you're just not. It's almost like an unused muscle. It's like, oh, shit, I, it seems so heavy. I can't, I can still lift it, but I have to try so hard. Well, it kind of, but it's like, goes. yeah, it's it's like I'm I'm compensating and I don't even know I'm compensating. Oh. So it's like using a muscle that I've literally never used, but like, to me, I'm like, why use it? Hmm. That's a good way to put it. Because that. I, I get through life just fine without it. So it doesn't, you know, I don't even have to focus on it. There was something else that I wanted to add, but I don't remember. It got lost in the Bermuda. <laughs> I, I like what you were saying about hooks. Yeah. Because that's that's another, that's a good, you know, sexual instinct word. Uh, if you're watching oh. people. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, it. I also have uh, a hard time. Um, this is sort of along the same lines, but kind of creating like my own hooks that I really identify with. Like, mm. I don't really identify with specific like if you look at my closet it's very like all over the place i could go chuggy all the way to like pop punk rocker chick and there's no in between i mean there's all and excuse me there's everything in between so it's kind of creating my own personal look is like not on the table because i want all of the looks if that Mm, makes sense mm, mm, yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was kind of something like you guys have very specific like ways you do you and i'm over here like i can be any of them well, you know, that could be due to... That could be to, a little bit more three, too. Yeah, that could be due to the attachment thing because there would be some um, hexad types who would I identify with feeling very specific and being able to generate, like, a look. But um, I think the thing that really stands out to me about um, sexual that's, you know, not there with sexual blinds is that sense of generating energetic hooks in the moment, not just, like, I can do it sometimes, like it's something that is necessary. Like we were on the latest um, Dark Hearts video, right. I was thinking about like as a sexual type, how you might feel trapped in a conversation where there isn't any sexual instinct being triggered, and it's you have to in order to exist in that conversation, you have to generate that electricity, yeah. you have to generate those hooks, and so when you see sexual types in interviews. That's what they're doing unconsciously. They're trying to find these avenues to generate something unexpected that can hook someone, that it can, you know, 
generate some charge. Uh, but that's what all the instincts are doing. It's like I need. It's like oxygen. This has to be here in order for me to exist in this moment. Would you say these hooks that uh, sexuals are generating are like areas of tension? Like because one of the things that yeah. I've looked at a lot with sexual types, or you know, the, the approaches and stuff like that, the instinctual approaches is that sexual types often are creating and trying to make tension because mm-hmm. tension is a polarity that you have to resolve or oh, you have yes. To, um, yes, 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 yes. repel. Yeah, no, there's a lot of that. It's uh, throwing out something that's unexpected and that creates a tension in the other person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. What's the difference between that and like what Courtney talks about with creating um, like tension between her and her partner to solve it in like the six creating yeah. um connection way good question hmm. one thing uh it's on the level of like energy and boundaries you mm-hmm. know it's like it's a body instinct thing and so uh like the if you're talking about like the attachment to disconnect kind of idea that has a much broader quality and it has it has an emotional component primarily because it's an object relational thing so, like, the problem might be, like, you know, cognitive or something, but the, the impact of it is emotional, whereas instinctual stuff is happening on the level of the body and instinct. And sexual is like, you know, indulging in a drug that's going to take you somewhere, you know what I mean? That's, um, it's not, doesn't have that practical stuff of, I guess there's a danger of going out of control, and that's part of what's alluring about it and going down that trail. Yeah, it's probably more specific referred to as like sexual tension because mm-hmm. it's right. not necessarily like it has to be about sexual innuendo or, or whatever, but it's the kind of tension that somebody generates where you want to get, you know, take a closer look at them. You're more intrigued, like what this person just said or what they just, de- just did uh, hooked my attention and I want to see more. And so it's, it's, it's not necessarily creating tension in a relationship where some conflict has to be resolved it's more like um this person is doing something that uh or saying something that for this moment is unexpected intriguing and that thing that they did just created a tension that has to be resolved by my uh getting closer or closing the distance in some kind of way like you know sexual types might say something that really throws a wrench in that moment and now it's like you're uh, you know, magnetized by that moment in some way. So what about uh, self-pres dominant? Like, I get a lot of people who are like, I can't be self-pres dominant because uh, I suck at self-pres. You know, that's a thing that comes up a lot. People equate <clears throat> competence and a certain yep. instinct with, yep. you know, whether, you know, and, and that's something that, not just instinct, but also type that sometimes people have been typed a certain way and they don't, they don't see themselves as good enough to like some threes are like, I don't think I'm good enough to be a three mm-hmm. or even some eights we've typed in and like, Oh, I see eights as such, you know, leaders and I'm just not that. And so, you know, having dominance in a, a certain instinct just means that this is the lens that you see the world. This is, this is what your personality is identified with. doesn't mean that you're good at it. Um, you probably suck at it. And that's why it, it, that's a thing that's always, triggering to the over focus is i'm not there's not enough and no matter how good someone is they always feel like there's not enough of that instinct mm-hmm. right looking at myself as an example self-pres 
uh, I think uh, being a ha huh was a big factor <laughs> in me. You know, it took me, this is how bad the ha huh is. It took me until I was 35 before I started to get serious about having like a baseline structure of, you know, financial wherewithal underneath me. I was relying on magical thinking that it was all just going to come together somehow. But my attention was continually going into self-pres. I mean, it was sensuality, food, sexuality on a sort of sensual like body level and as comfort and, and that kind of thing and, and body regulation and, and so forth. And, you know, so my, and I, and money and so forth, I was, you know, wanting it to come from somewhere. Right. And, and my thoughts were going there often. And, but, uh, but that's an example of how, you know, somebody could be in their twenties and, and be a, be a huh (laughs) and just not even not even having gone to university like i didn't give a fuck about like going to university so i could do x job so that i could have just this baseline salary that there's i'm not even designed that way he really isn't i talk to you a lot about my life and you you just think it's disgusting oh yeah (laughs) that's horrible I also, as a self-pressed dominant, uh, it took me a long time to learn what hunger was. I spent mm. a lot of my life hungry, and I did not realize it. <laughs> and I still will go long periods of time without eating, just because I don't know that I'm hungry. Not anymore. <laughs> no, I'm always snacking now, but, <laughs> but it's because I realize that if I get hungry, I will not know it. <laughs> so my... my uh, solution to that is just constantly eat (laughs) so how do you like how how does that make any sense i'm trying to understand that well if i don't know when i'm hungry like it's a big issue when i get hungry right because like i could like pass out so i don't want to get to that so i should just eat so that i am not hungry so so i just eat all the time just in case just in case prior to that like what do you like you you just wouldn't register hunger at all? Like, how is it? Yeah, I would, I would literally just think that I was sick or something. My it, first memories are of me tugging on my mom's whatever dress or whatever to tell her to take me to the, all these restaurants. I had like specific <laughs> things. Oh my God. I mean, what this, a, is, what this is when I'm. When I was three or four years old, you know, I would be like, there'd be this one thing that we always ate at this one, or that I always ate at this one restaurant, and I would just be, mommy, mommy, take me there. That kind of shit. All about food. Food, 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 food. Mama, take me to the restaurant. <laughs> Three. Like, yeah, I was probably like having like that, that same like tone of voice, like mama. Time to take me. <laughs> Somebody's very identified with their hunger. Mama, yes. I want filet mignon. <laughs> yes. Yes. With hollandaise sauce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This thing, this thing keeps coming up a lot, and I've I've had this uh, in like follow, typing follow up sessions where self press types don't identify or relate to the typical forms of self-pres like cozy blankets and coffee and things like that but it's um what i like about john your approaches is that it's it's a a way a psychological orient uh, sensation or boundaries and sensation and so it's a way that you're doing something and Mm -hmm. so there was a self-pres nine that i was 
doing session with who talked about how he would listen to this podcast uh, and listen to the same episodes over and over again. And mm -hmm. it, it was a way to that he liked doing that for TV shows. And uh, I could I pointed out to him that that was a way to get a sense of grounding in just listening yep. to the same shit over and over again. You can sort of like zone out and feel comfortable uh, mm -hmm. in something that's conceptual. I just wanted to say that literally today I realized that I will put like a three minute TikTok on loop. Mm hmm. And just listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over as my background noise. Yeah. So it's interesting that people can expand the horizons of what they think, how they think an instinct can show up because you're doing it all day, but you're not necessarily doing it the same way as the next person. Somebody might be oriented to being cozy and blankets and tea and that shit. You might just be oriented to just listening to podcasts on repeat and watching the same fucking TV shows. Because that's what makes you feel at home and comfortable. So it's like these approaches are describing different ways that we're orienting to the same shit. And what some qualities. Kind of right. You said that's horrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. And a TikTok on repeat? Oh, my God. Sometimes it'll literally be like seven seconds. And I'm just like, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Because one, one thing I noticed with self-pressed blinds is that sense of uh, that lack of grounding, even with uh, entertainment. And so, like, mm. yeah, like that sense yeah. of the next That's thing, fair, yeah. the new thing and just jumping from want, one thing it. to the next. <laughs> I, will, I will Google the end of movies and TV shows and then watch the movie or TV show. Holy Because <laughs> I have to know. I just have to know. I, so I, uh, there's a, a person that y'all know who uh, identified as a sex pet for a long time. And every time we go out to eat or something, he'd get something new. And, you know, he'd act like his, his need for variety was his uh, sexual instinct. And <laughs> it's just purely self-pressed blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, what else? I mean, another thing I think that's important to mention is that we live in a capitalist dystopian hellscape. And... Mm -hmm. That it is hard to get by and live in this, like, this economy and this society. And, you know, that, like, I live in Brooklyn and I have to just, like, I, I walk by homeless people constantly. You know, mm -hmm. the homelessness is everywhere. And it's because we live in an inhumane world. And so, like, uh, if people are having difficulty regulating themselves, like, they could look like they suck real hard at self-pres, even if they're a self-pres type, because it's a very dysregulating world, you know? So it's like, whether it's, you're talking about like being economically successful or just like eating right, you know, like our, our culture is very self-pres, but like really fucked up self-pres. And so, you know, like just like, you know, just the, the amount of overeating and like just dehydration and all this other shit that's going on. It's just like really intense. And so, a lot of our views of what it means to be like, quote, good at self-prize, unquote, are like, you know, informed more like by class signifiers, right? Mm -hmm. Like access to resources and money and has, and, you know, like, I mean, wellness industry shit is like a, like a, you know, kind of like a, a wealthy person's like weird entertainment now. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's really easy to be fucked up and self-prize, but there is this looking for stability, this grounding, this sort of trying to root oneself in something. And sometimes 
when we're unhealthy or when we're under kind of different stress, what we try to root ourselves in itself can get kind of fucked up. That compass or that radar for what to root in gets pretty bizarre and see, you know, like eating disorders, all that other kind of shit. There's people collecting weird stuff. It's like, um, you can really be fucked up in self-pres and be self-pres dominant. Mm-hmm. What about, mm-hmm. what about the, we, we mentioned this, uh, before, like, I think stuff that'll get into this episode, but like, what about the, the self-pres person who doesn't lock their doors? <laughs> I had a, I had a friend, um, from the, from the Enneagram, uh, conferences who was a self-pres six and just always fucking forgot to lock her doors every day. Yeah. I have a self-pres six friend, uh, same thing. I don't think she does it like forgetting. I think she, just like she doesn't do it. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. I, I just think people should divorce the idea of being good at an instinct from what uh you're dominant in or what you're blind in because it's just your location it doesn't it's just because you're type eight or whatever doesn't mean that you're uh, a good type eight or competent or anything else it's just like this is your personality fixation and that's it Mm -hmm. Uh, we we should hit social before we run out of time yeah 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 usually it's like how could i be a social type uh if I hate people yeah. or right. if I don't hang out with people yep. or um, all this kind of shit. Joseph initially thought he was a sexual self-pres and the way that we met was, I was, you know, I think we all, I was fucking with him about uh, being mistyped on that. And so, I think that's how you and I got to know each other, Emma guy. Fucking with Joseph. Because <laughs> Joseph was very much, you know, as he is, just a, a group person in terms of he was posting in groups and he was real excited and he was real trying to learn a lot, but he was doing all this stuff and he was identifying with being sexual self pres. And I was like, you know, he's social as fuck. And so we started talking and, you know, um, and that's how we got to know each other. But there's this. Uh, just in my experience with typing on these Enneagram forums, there's a lot of social types who are resistant to seeing themselves as social. And there's been a lot of um, progress that we've made in helping people understand that social isn't about groups and going to LinkedIn, uh, (laughs) LinkedIn fucking uh, networking events, that it's literally about relating to other people and the different ways that we are over aware of that aspect of, you know, existing. And so still, there's still a lot of social types that still just don't think that they are social for various reasons. And I think another, another angle on that is just some of the hexad versus attachment stuff that mm-hmm. we've discovered and how that if you're a hexad type, you might relate to me and John and some of the, and I've heard some hexad types say this, that a lot of the stuff that we express at social blind is something that they relate to. And so that's a huge aspect of, um, why a lot of t- times people don't see themselves as social. If you're an attachment type, you're more likely to see yourself as having social because attachment kind of has a pseudo-social aspect to it. So I think that's what I've run into. A lot of sevens don't see themselves as... Social sevens don't see themselves as, as uh, being social types, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Humans are such social animals that we're all really involved with each other no matter what. But And, and that can make it sometimes hard for a social type to... Um, see how social they are because it's so normal. Uh, so like, uh, you know, Alexandra is a very withdrawn person. Like, you know, she doesn't hang out with a bunch of people. She doesn't talk to a lot of people. It's like me and the cats and, uh, you know, but what she likes to do is, you know, she'll like certain, uh, reality TV shows and, and like, you know, 
like creeping on certain chats and things like this. Like there's a way she likes to observe people and to like watch them and mm-hmm. and you know like um, she'll watch these reality shows and like not buy them. Like she's she's looking at them at a, at a distance and making all kinds of observations that like I'm actually trying to get her to do some kind of like uh, she'll probably get mad at me for saying this, but like a bachelor thing with the Enneagram because I fucking think the bachelor's evil or whatever the show. But she'll make these amazing insights where uh, she'll be like, oh, look at that. That's when, like, this girl and this guy are, like, trying to, like, get together. And then he says something, and, she, and, and then she'll be like, this is when the girl attaches. Like, she's an attachment type. And be like, really? that's, that's what she can wow. attach to. Like, that's she'll call us. Oh, my God. I would watch a live stream of that. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, we should get, do, like, a Twitch stream or something like this with her. Because she'll call this shit. And it's, I'm like amazed because it's like, oh my God, I'm seeing like, you know, attachment stuff has been really difficult for me to internalize as we've been yeah. doing these episodes. And so like her being able to be like, like, I'll be like, why are these fucking people doing this thing or whatever? And she's like, they don't even really like each other, but they're attaching to this oh. and they're creating a relationship out of that. And that's what this is yeah. about. And, and then, you know, like, uh, so she watched, she, she's watching a uh, fucking bachelorette and mm-hmm. The girl is like a nine and she's a teacher and she is basically like, like all these, like all these loser dudes, like the whole show is just a a whole fraud. It's amazing. But all these dudes are like adult children and she's like in teacher mode with all these guys. And it will be like, Alexander will call it where she'll be able to observe like, oh, she's attaching because she can do teacher mode with this guy. Mm. Like she can relate to him like a student. Hmm. and she'll call it and it and it but it's like much more sophisticated than i'm i you know i'm not doing a good job representing it but she, but it's like it's 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 really i mean she it's really brilliant but it's she loves to observe people and she loves to be uh um aware of how humans are in a way that's that's not just attachment it's social you know it's well, a very and- specific refined intelligence <laughs> Yeah, yeah and she naturally does it. It's not just that yes. she likes it. She just immediately goes to it and is like, oh, yeah, you didn't see that? Exactly, exactly. So, like, yeah, I was, I was, you know, like, we'll have some interactions, and I'm, like, with people, like, as a couple, we'll interact with somebody, and I'll come away, and I'm like, that felt weird. Like, I don't know what that was about, and she'll be able to break down all this fucking shit that I didn't see or couldn't pick up on. Mm-hmm. It's like, That's Whoa. so interesting. Whoa, yeah. and it's—I mean, it's like we'll have these kind of like uh, breakdown sessions, basically. Like, just she'd be like, "This is what happened. This is what happened." And I'm like, "Holy fuck!" You know, like seeing <laughs> stuff. I just—I don't know. I—I I, I can get into people's like internal life, but like the kind of uh, chessboard stuff is beyond me. This—it raises an interest, interesting question about the kinds of entertainment that we're drawn to and why we're drawn to it, because it sounds like right. Alexandra likes a lot of reality tv shows not because she thinks they're good but because it's an avenue to observe uh relational dynamics exactly intellectually and, stimulating to her right and so I, I just wonder it makes me think about you know you know the shows that i'm drawn to and, and why i'm drawn to those shows from you know the sexual instinct point of view and then you know like for example nancy and david like what what you like watching and what you're getting from it um from your <laughs> self-present lens that'd so be an in interesting second tiktoks on repeat <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i Hit, watch when i'm those back walls here. with the tiktoks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah that, that'd be an interesting way to uh explore instincts is to look at the different uh what the different instincts are looking for in entertainment david likes mm-hmm. to watch his shows while he's sleeping 
That's it. <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I know, I'm not kidding. I'm not surprised. No, like, when we've hung out, and, like, there was one time I had to, like, I, like, said goodnight to David because I was going to, like, leave early the next day or something, and David had, like, his iPad, and he's, like, right got a show on while he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he goes to sleep, is he puts on something he wants to watch. Instant. Instant sleep. <laughs> As a nine, so it just funny. goes right into the dream world. <laughs> All right, so hit enough of social yeah is there anything else i guess it's like all the different ways that people who don't feel like they are social are still doing social uh especially in these groups like you know we know of a seven wing eight who didn't see herself as social acts out in these anti-social ways but is constantly doing it so i think one of the things i said to someone Mm. i did a session with is that um you have to catch yourself in the act not mm-hmm. just, you know, with the type, but even with the instincts. And I had to do that myself with sexual. It's like, yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm a sexual type or to know that you're your sexual type. But all the different ways that you specifically are in that instinct, it's not going to be the same for everyone. But just observing yourself to, to catch yourself doing that instinct. And, you know, I think it depends on, like, what triad uh, somebody's coming from because, you know, like... uh an assertive social type that doesn't know they're social or doesn't see it will like mm-hmm. do a lot to get attention. Right. Right. Like, like I think that mm-hmm. social eights, sevens and threes will do a lot of stirring things up or trying to get attention or being a focal point. And so they might think that they're social blind or they might think it's social middle, whatever, but they're, you know, like on a forum, they're like posting these like long things to get attention or something mm-hmm. or interaction generating stuff. Whereas a, a, a withdrawn type nine, five, four, that's a social instinct will be much more withdrawn and kind of like I was speaking to Alexandra is like just watching and analyzing and intellectualizing the social sphere. And I don't really know how, I can't really think of the top of my head how it would go for a superhero type, uh, a strong social, but those types tend to like, uh, be listening more for like the tone or temperature of Could whatever. Could be teaching and teaching yeah. maybe something. Yeah. 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 It's been interesting just to watch the way people, uh, interact in these groups just from the perspective of getting your needs met from um, your type and your instincts because it's just a forum and so what are the social types doing and in what ways they're trying to generate engagement and also generate attention for themselves and to see that happen for and people still not you know see I'm that they're doing social I, one of the things I pointed out to Joseph when we started talking was for me social is so loud that it's like all this stuff that you're doing, all this tracking that you're doing, and you know, <clears> seeing <throat> if people are worried about what their boss might think is like that's all social. I mean, you just don't see how that might be social for you, but it's like I think people just need to start observing how they personally do that instinct because it's not necessarily going to look the same for everyone. Right. Right. Um, have you ever gotten a s- sexual type that doesn't think they're sexual? Uh, yes, we have. How'd that go? Uh, well, I think we type somebody's claw, or type somebody as sexual who saw themselves as social. But I've seen that happen sometimes where sexual types end up not seeing themselves as sexual be- for that same reason that, oh, I don't think I'm good at this kind of thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. It's not often because, I mean, there are not very many sexual types that come along. Well, 
I mean, and that's an overall general point. Maybe we already said it, but is that if your dominant instinct, you're going to be noticing more often that you're not good at it because yes. you're looking at it all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking, I always knew I was a sexual type, but I was like, I felt like the most undesirable, uh, <laughs> like overlooked, uninteresting to people, to women, to like, anti-juicy rodent boy you know like my whole life so it was like (laughs) it wasn't like oh yeah i'm a sexual type like yeah come and get it you know it was like always like "Ah," you know (laughs) you know definitely that's a big archetype i identified with Mm -hmm. i feel like the people who are who are the best at the sort of general attraction game tend to be uh sexual blinds a lot Mm -hmm. of them because they can they Social and self-pres, there's a lot of what is uh, generally attractive <clears throat> to most people, which is kind of drawing from social, like, I need to meet the standard of what people consider to be hot versus what sexual is, which is sort of, I need to cultivate my own sort of unexpected, intriguing, penetrating flavor. Well, it's, I, a, it's a lot more universally palatable. There right. you go, yes. Yeah. Which kind of depends on what's hot at that point in time. Like, right now on Instagram, most women are following the Kim Kardashian attraction template. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the certain, certain makeup and hair, and, and that's going to change in 10 years. And so yeah. that's what sort of uh, a lot of attachment and social and self-presence, what people consider to be hot, they're mirroring that at yeah. that point in time. Yeah, God. So many uh, girls are like lip filler and, and nose job thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just like, ladies, we love your big nose. <laughs> we love give it. me a big nose please give me give me your natural like i isn't like at least speaking totally. as like somebody who draws an artist like when somebody's proportions are off it's like a, a camera lens that can't focus because my my brain is like sees it there's something unnatural happening yes it's just like you can feel the feel the offness well i think what i have an issue with is just how everyone is doing the same kind of makeup and the same kind of look with the lip filler the makeup and it looking really tired yeah it just it it all looks the same and i'm just like uh can people try different makeup like (laughs) just something else because everyone's doing makeup the same way but anyway all right talk to you next week hey what what episode are we on like when's our 100 this is 98 so uh we have one more and then the 100th episode what are we doing again on the 100 i love line where yeah calls (laughs) Okay, doke. Bye. Alright, y'all. Bye. Bye. There's a system of symbols that no one will vouch for. Everyone uses and no one believes. There's a bull in the yard with a man of his rough. Yet there's something about you that he understands. The girl at the window, covered in ashes, smiles grotesquely in the light of the day.